And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. It is Tuesday, November the 1st, 2022. Strap yourselves in. We're talking about 3D chess because that's exactly what is being played up on the Hill in the National Assembly here in Quebec. So many things have happened since the last episode on Thursday that I want to follow up on and other things that we spoke about on earlier episodes. Um, So many things. This is the first time uh, that I can remember where there is so much chaos before the parliament uh, is in session. Never have I seen a situation like this before. Um, And obviously, it doesn't only affect the Liberal Party of Quebec. It affects the other uh, parties in opposition, Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois. Uh, Essentially, just so I can make this as, as simple as possible to you, right now, at this very moment, the time that we're recording, François Legault and the CAC is just laughing, laughing. They literally have no opposition. There is zero organization across the floor. There is nothing happening, and they are laughing, or at least they must be laughing. Now, let's get to that, all right? If you guys remember a couple episodes ago when I told you about things that we were going to have to look out for going forward, um, among those things were specifically with regards to the Parti Québécois and the, um, the uh, Quebec Solidaire parties, where they're pretty much in limbo right now because one they don't know if they will be granted official party status because like we said and, and, and you know there's so many details you can go back and watch those episodes essentially they didn't meet the requirements uh to have official party status so basically now it depends on the other parties in the national assembly on whether or not they want to grant them that official party status um so that's one and the other one was whether or not those MNAs from Parti Québécois and Quebec Solidaire will be able to sit in the House because they decided this year that they had had enough about swearing allegiance to the king uh, or to the throne. They didn't do it, and uh, there's a big question mark on whether or not they are able to sit in the House without having completed their oath. Uh, and then obviously the third topic that we're going to talk about is basically following up from Thursday's episode. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch that. There's a major crisis right now happening in the Liberal Party caucus. There was uh, uh, there was a member of the caucus that was ejected from caucus, Marie-Claude Nichols, and that whole story has taken this whole other turn. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Now, before we get to that one, because for me that's the main uh, story in the last couple of days, let's just get the other one out of the way, PQ and Quebec Solidaire. Um, For those wondering, there is a swearing-in ceremony in order to sit in the House. So like I said before, the Parti Québécois and Québec Solidaire did not want to swear their allegiance to the king. Uh, And for the first time ever, they actually went through with it, and they didn't. So they only uh, pledged their allegiance to the people of Quebec. And there's another part of that swearing-in ceremony that has to deal with their allegiance to the throne. And that is actually... Uh, prescribed in the Canadian Constitution. So they didn't do it. They came out and said, listen, we have a long time before the National Assembly opens again and on the 29th of November. Until then, we're sure and we're confident that the parties are going to um, make an exemption, understand where we're coming from, and let us sit in the House. Problem is that it's not really up to the other parties. There are rules in place. There's an actual law a law of the National Assembly 
There's a bunch of articles in that law that pertain to the functioning of the National Assembly. Uh, you know, the different roles, functions, um, you know, all these things, right? Uh, budgets, uh, like all these things. There's all these articles on how the National Assembly needs to function. And uh, within, within those articles, there's one that deals with the swearing-in ceremony. And it's very precise, very direct on what has to be done. Um, so what happened today... The Speaker of the House, okay, or the President of the National Assembly, if you will, but, in, you know, I mean, it's, it's the Speaker of the House. He came out and made a statement that was pretty direct and straightforward. And he said, essentially, to the Quebec uh, Solidaire and Parti Québécois members of the National Assembly, they will not be able to sit in the House unless they complete their oath, as prescribed in the regulations, in the law of the National Assembly. Uh, not only that, he went even a step further and authorized the sergeant-at-arms of the National Assembly to put that into effect. He went, for, he went that far and said, listen, at the end of the day, I'm authorizing the sergeant-at-arms of the National Assembly to put that law into effect. Is it a threat? Is it not a threat? I don't know. But essentially what that means, if you read between the lines, he's giving the green light to the sergeant-at-arms to actually kick those mamines out of the National Assembly should they think of coming in, stepping in the National Assembly and trying to you know, go and sit in their place. Um, the reactions, of course, I, at the time that I'm recording, I, I don't think I've heard anything from Quebec Solidaire. But the PQ was quick to react to this, and they sent out Pascal Berube, someone that uh, I know and I respect uh, a lot. Obviously, he is the elected member of the National Assembly this time around that got the most support from anyone. I mean, almost two-thirds of his riding of his electorate uh, support him, someone that is very well respected, a lot of credibility. He's been with the party forever. He was first elected in 2007, I believe. Uh, but he is one of those pillars uh, in the party. And he came out and essentially said, listen, we don't care about what the speaker said, and that's just his opinion. We have all these legal, uh, all, all, these, um, all this legal advice from different uh, lawyers telling us that we are right in doing so. Uh, he also said that they expect the CAC to do the right thing. They've already ruled out the, the Liberal Party. They're not expecting much from the Liberal Party at this point, so they're focusing primarily on the CAC to doing the right thing. Um, Pascal Berube also did a bunch of you know media today calling out the citizens, the electorate, to reach out to their MNAs and to force them to support this move uh, that the PQ and QS did in not swearing allegiance to the throne. And finally, ultimately, he said that they will continue to fight. They will not, uh, they, they, they will not concede. They will not finish their oath. Uh, and he left it there. Now, let's just get, you know, let's just understand what's going on over here. Pascal Birubi thinks that it's just the opinion of the speaker. It's not the opinion of the speaker, in my, you know, this is my opinion now. It's not just an opinion of the speaker. The speaker of the house came out and 
explain to them what is written in the law. There are rules and regulations, and that's all he did. He said, listen, these are the rules, and if we are to respect the rules, then you cannot sit in the house if you haven't completed the oath, the swearing-in ceremony. Regardless if you agree or not, you know, with the idea of swearing allegiance to the king. I've said that before. I'm not the biggest, you know, monarchist over here, but rules are rules. And if you want to change the rules, if you want to modify them, if you want to uh, amend the law, you need to table a motion. You need to table a law, a bill to change the law. And in order to table that bill, well, you need to be sitting in the house. And to be sitting in the house, well, you need to swear allegiance to the king. You need to finalize the swearing-in ceremony, your oath, because, I mean, that's the rule that's in place at the moment. If ever you table a bill and it's discussed and it's agreed upon and it's voted that, you know, we don't need to do that and the law is amended and they scratch off that whole bit about serving allegiance to the king, then that's fine. As of the next legislature, after the next elections, you won't have to swear allegiance to the king anymore. No problem. My point is that there are rules in place and you can't just do what you want or what you think is right and expect everyone to make exceptions and to accommodate you. Why? What are the rules in what are the rules in place for if not to be respected? And again, I'm not saying they're the best. I'm not saying they they're, they're you know, they're exactly what they need to be. No, I'm not saying that at all. You have every right to amend these laws. But the procedure has to follow specifically with the rules that are in place. So I disagree with what Biribi says about it's just an opinion of the speaker, you know, and he doesn't recognize that authority because based on what Biribi says, François Paradis, for those who haven't followed what's happening, did not seek re-election. So this is a little bit of a, of a puzzling issue here. François Paradis who is the Speaker of the National Assembly, did not run for re-election. He did not seek re-election. He resigned as a politician. There is someone else that ran in his place in his writing and won that writing. Um, I think it's Bernard Drinville uh, in, the, in the writing of uh, Lévy. And Pascal Berube thinks that since you aren't, since you're no longer elected, what authority do you have as a speaker when on the 29th of November, in any case, there will be a new speaker that will be appointed? So why don't we just wait for the new speaker to come in and then we'll move forward starting that, starting you know, from that point on? Again, I disagree. Whether Francois Paradis is elected or not, on paper, his mandate as the speaker of the house ends when the mandate of the new speaker of the house begins regardless of whether or not he's elected yeah he's not elected he's not an elected member of parliament but he still occupies the role of the guardian of the national assembly if you will until the new speaker comes in so his mandate doesn't necessarily end on election day his mandate ends when the new speaker begins his his or her responsibilities so theoretically he has every right to come out and say these things. Now, 
Does he need to do that? Do we usually see something like this happen in that buffer period between the elections and the new session? Does the Speaker of the House ever take these kinds of positions? I don't remember ever having seen this before. Usually the previous Speaker of the House just sits and waits for the new session to start. If that Speaker of the House gets reelected and gets reappointed as Speaker of the House, then he just continues his or her mandate. In this particular situation, where the current Speaker of the House isn't elected, does he really need to do anything? Can you just not simply sit and wait for the Parliament session to end and then just leave on the 29th of November? He could have. Pascal Berube's argument is that given the fact that François Paradis was elected under the CAC banner, this is another attempt of the CAC to kind of stick it to the PQ and to, the, and to Quebec Solidaire. This was an order, they believe, that François Paradis got from either from Legault or you know the, the, the CAC caucus on making sure that before his mandate ends that he you know makes a statement and said, hey, by the way, you guys can't sit. Because I'm the Speaker of the House and I said so. Here are the rules and you can't and you, and you can't proceed. That's what Pascal Berube believes. Whether it's true or not, at the end of the day, he is the Speaker of the House and he's there to uphold the regulation and the law of the National Assembly. That's his role. And hopefully the new Speaker, whoever that may be, will do the same job of, of upholding the rules and regulations of the National Assembly. Was it necessary? Who cares? Who cares if it was necessary or not? The rules are rules. And he came out and said, and he said it clearly. So I'm not sure what's going to happen going forward. Uh, they're pressuring the CAC. They're, they're still adamant on the idea that it has nothing to do with the speaker. It has nothing to do with the National Assembly as an institution. It has to do with the other parties. If the parties give us the okay, then we can sit. I'm not so sure that's valid. I don't think so. I mean, the rules are rules. They're there for a reason. You got you to gotta respect them. Um, so that's something that we're going to have to look out for to see how this evolves. But this is huge. This is, you know, I mean, I, I'm not so sure if they expected this to happen because up until now, I'm almost convinced that Pascal Berube and whoever um, the representative uh, of Quebec Solidaire is, they've been trying to negotiate with the other parties on getting this exemption. And suddenly you have this, uh, you have this statement uh, by the, the, the Speaker of the House uh, that is a huge stumbling block from them. Now, he says that they will just keep fighting. They will not bend. They will not complete that oath ceremony. They're adamant about that. The question is that, okay, what happens if the new speaker keeps that precedent and says, well, no, look, my colleague gave you this statement. It's true. I'm not going to go back on that. Chances are, well, chances are, not chances. I mean, it's guaranteed that the new speaker will obviously also be from the CAC. They're, they're the government. They select the speaker, the first and second vice speakers. We spoke about that in the last episode. I have a funny feeling that the new speaker will probably just keep things as is. You know, status quo. I'm not so sure they're going to go back on the statement made by François Paradis. So this is going to be very interesting. What happens? 
what happens in this in this situation? Obviously, I mean, he the the, the speaker was pretty clear. If you walk in here, the sergeant at arms has every every authority to get you out. Now, Pascal Birubé sees that as a threat in today's um, uh, in his appearances in the in the media. He called it a threat. He goes, "Look, uh, you know, I mean, we are being threatened. We don't want to get to that point." And he was asked by a journalist, "What happens? What happens if you go in and the, the sergeant at arms wants to kick you out? What are you going to do?" He didn't answer that question. He said, "Look, we don't want to get we don't want it to get to that point. But what if it does? This is going to be really embarrassing, not only for those parties, but in general for the National Assembly to have to kick out elected members because they're not complying with the rules." I've never seen anything like this happen before. This is going to be embarrassing. It's embarrassing. We can't start the new session this way. Anyway, let's move forward because there's way more important things happening. Um, and of course, I'll be keeping you guys posted uh, depending on what happens with uh, with a PQ in Quebec Solidaire. Keep in mind, there's also one more thing coming, right? I mean, we still don't know if they'll be granted official party status, but that is irrelevant. Whether they're given the official party status or not, theoretically they should be sitting in the house now are they going to be sitting under a party you know, as an umbrella as qs caucus and pq caucus we don't know if they're not granted official party status they're just 14 independent mnas essentially that's what it means let's move on because speaking of independent mnas uh, we spoke about last episode uh, the um, that there was this crisis in the in the Liberal Caucus, Dominique Anglade ejected Marie Claude Nichols. I told you what I thought about that, and there have been developments. Now, in case you haven't seen it and you don't feel like going back to watching this, let me just bring you up to speed very quickly. Last Thursday, the the, the Liberal Party announced its uh, shadow cabinet, and uh, they uh, you know journalists noticed that Marie Claude Nichols wasn't on that list, and they wondered why, what happened, you know, why wasn't she given anything, and then immediately after that. Um, the 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 chair uh, the caucus chair of the Liberal Party Enrico Ciccone came out and you know made a statement that she was ejected from caucus because she didn't want to accept the responsibilities that Dominique Anglade was giving her. I found that to be ridiculous. Um, they both both Dominique Anglade and Marie Claude Nichols went into silence throughout the entire weekend uh, and uh, up until today I think or yesterday Monday. Where Dominique Anglade came out publicly, and you know, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. But until this week, stuff was happening behind the scenes. Now, we know uh, from what the media reported that on Friday, so the day after this whole saga started, there was an urgent meeting with Dominique Anglade and the party executive, the executive committee of the Liberal Party. Obviously, we don't know what was discussed. Probably Dominique Anglade had to explain what happened. Um, and then Saturday morning, the day right after, there was an urgent meeting with Dominique Anglade and her caucus. From what I'm hearing, all hell broke loose. They were not happy. They were livid by this decision uh, to uh, to eject Marie-Claude Nichols. Apparently, nobody was consulted. Uh, from what has been reported in the media, all they got was a phone call from Enrico Ciccone telling them, this is what happened, this is what we decided, period. There were no questions, there were no comments. Apparently, this is what this is what came out in the media. Uh, so obviously, the caucus from Thursday, when this happened, all the way until Saturday, had no idea what the hell happened and why. 
So on Saturday morning, there was a caucus meeting. From what I'm hearing, it wasn't pretty. Um, the caucus was upset. They, they from, from what's being uh, told, they wanted Dominique Anglade to reintegrate her immediately back into caucus and to figure out a solution, which is what Dominique Anglade tried to do. So from uh, Saturday, so I'm guessing Sunday uh, and Monday, there were attempts to reach out to, to Marie-Claude Nichols and to see how she can reintegrate caucus. Monday night, there was an urgent meeting. So yesterday, Monday night, there was an urgent meeting that was called with Dominique Anglade and all the riding association presidents. Uh, during that meeting, again, Dominique Anglade came out and just re, uh, reiterated the statement that she had made that day earlier, basically to the effect that um, they proceeded a little too quickly in making this decision to, uh, to eject Marie-Claude Nichols, that the door is always open for her to come back, and that we extended our handout um, and that the ball is in her court on whether or not she wants to come back. We would love to have her back, and it's the caucus's desire uh, and my own as Dominique Anglade to see her back in. You know, I went on Twitter, and whoever follows me on Twitter probably saw this. I mean, obviously that's not what happened, okay? Dominique Anglade had her caucus meeting, uh, and it wasn't pretty, and the caucus pretty much told her this is what's going to happen. And she came out and said, well, you know, the, the door's always open. And she tried to play it as if, you know, we're all a happy team again. And then there was a big question mark. What's going to happen now with Marie-Claude Nichols? So Dominique Anglade came out and said, look, the door's always open. We want to collaborate. We're extending our, our, our hand to her. It's up to her to grab it and come back into the caucus. We'll be happy to have her. And we'll be happy to have her contribute to our mission during the mandates to, you know, to advance whatever uh, priorities we have on the agenda. Well, today, Tuesday, in the morning, Marie-Claude Nichols, for the very first time, breaks her silence. And in her statement, announces that she will not take that extended hand that was given to her. And she will remain as an independent MA excluded from the Liberal Caucus. The reason she gave in her statement, basically, I think it was an email that she sent to all the caucus, to all her former caucus members. She essentially said that one, I don't want to be the source of distraction because of everything that happened um, within the caucus. And secondly, and more importantly, and this is very important, uh, I don't want to be the buoy to help Dominic Anglade avoid sinking because clearly um, she's lost her confidence in the leader. Uh, and that was huge. This is big, you know. She does, she, she's lost confidence in the leader who has been taken unjustified and inexplicable decisions, obviously, towards her, right? Towards uh, Marie-Claude Nichols. She came out uh, later this evening, today. Uh, she did a couple interviews. And she also mentioned that, you know, since this whole thing happened, she hasn't gotten any official apology. And if you think of it, this was a ridiculous reason 
to exclude her from caucus because she didn't accept any responsibilities. And Marie Claude Nichols has made it clear that she was absolutely fine if her primary choice, if you know, that, that she wanted, which was to become the third vice speaker in the house, if that wasn't to be given to her, then she had absolutely no problem sitting in caucus without any responsibilities. She mentioned that it's happened before. It's very common. Not everyone needs to get responsibilities. And she was perfectly fine. So that's her argument. She says, look, I don't care. If you don't take, if you, if you don't give me my first choice, then don't give me anything. And she was publicly humiliated. She mentioned that it had a direct effect, obviously, on her, on her family, on her parents, uh, you know, her personnel, her friends. Um, she's had a tough time since Thursday. Uh, she's very emotional. Even during that interview, she 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 it showed that she was still a little bit shaken by what happened. And she still hasn't gotten an apology. She actually said during the interview that in her latest interaction with Dominic Anglad, so I'm assuming this happened yesterday on Monday when they last spoke, she confronted her and said, listen, why aren't you apologizing to me for, for what happened? Dominic Anglad has refused to formally apologize. <clears throat> she also came out publicly uh, and gave some interviews, I believe, on Monday. And she was asked directly, why don't you apologize? Are you going to apologize about what happened? She's not apologizing. All she's saying is that we took a decision a little too quickly. I do recognize that. And from now on, you know, we're in solution mode. We need to find a solution. We need to, 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 to cross this hurdle together and to, uh, to advance uh, and to turn the page and to get on to serious work. Problem I have is and I think I spoke about this in the last episode as well. How are you making decisions spontaneously, obviously, and then expecting to fix them? Like th this is what doesn't make sense to me. She recognizes that it was done. Um, it, it was done too quickly, and now they're in solution mode. But why aren't you in solution mode before you expel someone from caucus that you eject? Like, why isn't the reflex, okay, it's not working. What solutions do we have before we proceed with ejecting someone from caucus? How come the solution mode wasn't thought of before the idea of, exp uh, of ejecting someone from caucus? To me, that is fascinating. You're a, leader, you're a leader of the opposition and you don't have the presence of mind to actually think, okay, look, guys, we're in a bit of a pickle here. We need a solution. Marie-Claude Nichols doesn't want responsibilities. What do we do? How do you not have that reflex before you make the decision of, you know what, get her out? Do you not think of the repercussions I'm sure someone must have. It's very difficult for me to imagine that they didn't think of the potential damage to the party and to the caucus and to the unity, quote-unquote unity, because that's the, the idea that they've been selling to everyone from the very beginning, would be affected. So 
That's what happened today with Myra Claude Nichols. And immediately, Dominique Anglade responded and said, okay, we, uh, uh, we, we take note of, uh, of, uh, of her statement. Um, of course, the door will always remain open. From this point forward, we're just going to move on uh, to our priorities, whatever is on the agenda for the mandate. Basically, Dominique Anglade is saying, you know, we're turning the page. This is over. Let's all move on. I'm not so sure people are going to move on, uh, to be honest with you. I, I'm not so sure people are going to move on. And especially with respect to the membership of the Liberal Party. Remember when I told you last episode that, you know, Dominique Anglade could very well have her people, you know, in positions where she may, you know, have eyeballs and ears to the ground. The one place where she doesn't really have much control is the membership. And I don't think it's a coincidence that she called an emergency meeting with the association presidents on Monday night. Uh, I'm not so sure if it was necessary, to be honest with you, because in any case, the, um, uh, the, 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 the association presidents are being called now to different meetings, regional meetings, to do kind of like the, um, uh, the post-mortem of the, the campaign to talk about what went wrong, what went well. Um, so all these things are in course of happening. So eventually, I mean, the message is going to get up to Dominic Anglada about what didn't work and what worked well and, you know, all these things. And obviously there's a lot of people that are upset because of the results and, you know, all that stuff that we spoke about. But I have a feeling that that call was placed for Dominic Anglada to kind of get a feel of, you know, what kind of support she has in the membership, you know. That's my reflex. Um I'm not so sure there is, um, I, I'm not so sure that we can definitely think that the page is turned and everyone is just going to just move on from this. Um, there are a couple question marks that I still have. One being that we haven't heard anything, anything from anyone in caucus. And I'm not saying to come out, you know, to, to, to comment the situation, but no one has come out to even support Dominic Anglad. And I, I'm I'm surprised. I'm not really surprised. I mean, at this point, everyone is pretty much staying quiet in caucus. They're just waiting to see what happens and how things will evolve and if the page will have will actually turn over and if actually people are going to forget about this. So everyone is kind of on standby. But in these situations, given my experience, there's always something leaked to the media to the effect that, oh, so-and-so came out and said that, you know, we need to support Dominique Anglade and that we're all behind her. There, there's, there's always something that an intelligent communication strategist is going to leak to the media so that they can show that on the inside that she still has support or whatever. That isn't, like, there is nothing. There is nothing. There is no, uh, you know... We're not hearing anything coming from inside. Uh, and again, it could be normal. I find it a little strange that at least nothing has leaked to the effect that she is uh, still supported by one, two, three, five, ten MNAs, whatever. I don't know what it is. Um, so I don't know. Is that going to come down the line? Uh, are they preparing? I, I don't know. The second thing that has completely confused me is where are her parliamentary officers in all this situation now remember in the previous episode i explained to you what the parliamentary officers are it's like her close guard 
you know, there are four people, uh, the, the, the house leader, deputy house leader, caucus chair, and party whip. So these are the four people apparently that met with Dominique Anglade on Thursday and made the, the intelligent decision to eject uh, Marie-Claude Nichols. And Dominique Anglade, if you remember in the last episode, I said she sent Enrico Ciccone to bat. She sent him in the front and said, here, you go out and explain to them what happened, which again was a first. Never seen that before. We haven't heard anything from these individuals. How do they feel about what's happening? Like, what's their opinion now when all these things have, you know, occurred? All the, did, were they expecting this? Like, I mean, what were they thinking? How could they support Dominic Anglad in this, in this decision? I don't know. We haven't heard from any of them. And to think that they're all rookies, not really. Not really. You have Filomena Rotiroti, who's the party whip. And then you have Mak Tangi, who is the house leader. I mean, these are experienced MAs. They've been sitting, I mean, uh, Filomena's been elected since 2008. And I think uh, Mark Tangi came in in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. You would think that they would have more judgment than to just, you know, better judgment than to tell Dominic Anglade, okay, yeah, we're going to go along with this. Makes sense. I don't know. We haven't heard from them. They've all gone silent. Mind you, Dominic Anglade, by sending out Enrico Ciccone to bat, basically threw all of them under the bus. Her initial move to send Enrico Ciccone to explain everything to the media and her to go into hiding, in my point of view like the way i see it was as if she she told him look you go and whatever happens happens it's your decision she threw her parliamentary officers under the bus and all this heat that has come out since last thursday they have a responsibility they're equally responsible i don't know how these meetings happen and i don't know what is being discussed nobody knows i mean this is behind closed doors was any of them against this decision? Were they all uh, consenting to the? Did they all consent to this decision? We don't know. We don't know. Were they forced to come out and just figure out a justification, an explanation on why Marie Claude Nichols was kicked out? Who knows? I just find it strange that none of them have made any statements since this has happened. So very strange times. Um, I'm again just to go back to what we said before. I'm not so sure that the page will turn. I'm not so sure about that at all. Uh, and if you guys remember in the last episode, you know I said that if I were in my reclude Nicole's shoes, what I would do would be not to make any bold statements, not to go back into caucus, just to say that you know what I'll stay in opposition. Ask Dominic on Glad you know, why these things happen and what she plans on doing, and then just wait, sit and wait. Because like I said also in that episode, the ball now has started to roll. And that's exactly what Marie-Claude Nichols is doing. So she's playing her cards right, in my view. She's playing it right. She came out and said, look, thank you very much, okay? Uh, I won't be coming back because of ABC reasons. Um, how can I come back when I've lost trust in this leader? How can I come back when i've lost you know all confidence that this is the right person to guide us into this next mandate and eventually in the next elections it would be hypocritical of her 
to do that, which is what she's saying. This is not what I'm saying. This is what Mary Claude Nicole said, you know. And you got to give it to her. She's standing by what she believes. She's not a hypocrite. She can't just say, okay, we're all happy now again. Thank you. you. But, and not only that, with no apology, just look, the door is open. Here's we're extending our hand. Come back in and let's get things moving. No, it doesn't work like that. You humiliated the lady publicly. You destroyed her. And this is a loyal liberal. She said it like I've been painted red my entire life. I cannot believe this is happening. I have a feeling, and I'm just going to put this out there, that there are more statements that are going to come out. Last episode, I told I told you guys about certain uh, former elected uh, MNAs in the Liberal Party that came out publicly. There was Listerio, there was Serge Simard, there was uh, Jean Damour that came out. I have a feeling that there's more that will be coming. I'm not convinced that the page is turned. I'm not convinced that the members are satisfied with just, okay, well, we extended our hand. She didn't take it. That's it. That's all. Let's move on. I don't think that we're in that kind of situation. We'll see. We'll wait and see. Um, that's about it, guys. I just wanted to keep you updated on what's been happening and to give you my two cents. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Give it a five star. Head on over to YouTube and subscribe. If and when more things concerning these topics happen, I will be more than glad to come and update you. Until then, who knows? We'll talk about anything else that comes up. Thank you all so much. Take care.